was a workman like Crows who disposed of the Magpies by 27 points that Eddie had last week, with the game pretty much over at half time. Join the crew as we discuss round two, bring you news from around the AFL, preview next week's clash against the D's, and put none other than Jenny 6199 under the Board Talk grill. There's no last quarter fade outs here. This is Crowcast. guys and welcome to another edition of Crowcast. It's great to be talking to you after another solid win by the Crows and uh, with us sitting two zip on top of the table. So tonight we're joined by Nikki, Danos and WFL and just a quick shout out to Peter J who's taking a break from the podcast to um, head off overseas. Um, safe trip mate and um, speedy return for you. And also to Speechless Argument, who's also taking a little break from the podcast as well. So without further ado, let's get on to the news with Nikki. Um, basically, the, the best thing to start with is that the ladder is still looking very nice for us. The injuries, there were some interesting ones that happened on the weekend, um, particularly this first one I'm going to talk about was Michael Close from Brisbane. He now requires a full knee reconstruction after he landed on the Etihad surface. There's discussion regarding possible compensation payments to be made to the player in Brisbane from Etihad Management and the AFLs. They approved the ground for use. Now, what happened was he landed near um, the edge. His foot slipped on the natural turf, connected with the artificial turf, which butts right up to the um, white line. Foot got stuck, and that's when he did his knee. Um, and also other bad news for Brisbane there, Ruckman Archie Smith uh, was operated on Tuesday for a knee issue so that he suffered in the, the knee AFL. So he'll be out for four to six weeks. Um, also, I think knees were the, the order of the day for for the weekend. So Simon White from Carlton's out for a month with a dislocated kneecap. Troy Menzel injured his calf. He'll be rested this week, but Andrew Walker may be back for Carlton. Pendlebury has an ankle concern out of the, uh, the game against us. They're not sure if he'll be right for Friday night's game, so that'll be a bit touch and go. So for Fremantle, Zach Clark's injured his knee, but he'll be tested. This is the big news that everybody's been talking about, that Gary Ablett's been, ta- been placed as an indefinite regarding his return. Um, they want to get more rest and strength back into his shoulder. Um, Jared Harbrow from Gold Coast has also done his shoulder, and Mitch Hallahan will miss uh, with a rib injury. This is a fun one. GWS, Adam Tomlinson is going to be out for 12 weeks because he ruptured a toe ligament in the second quarter. That's got to be nasty because that doesn't heal. No, that, I think that's that's why there's such a long time. on. He actually had surgery on it um, to, to fix it up. Hawthorne didn't have a good weekend. Uh, Shields has done his hamstring, so that's three to four weeks. And Frawley's done a pectoral muscle, so that's four to six weeks. Uh, Scott Thompson from North Melbourne, uh, ankle sprain, but hopefully he's going to be available. Now, Nick Del Santo, um, scans have revealed an injury. They're going to wait on a specialist before determining a time frame because I don't think he's ever actually done a hamstring before. So um, old band injury has finally caught up with him. Uh, MP from Port has also had scans. Uh, they're just still waiting to see what the results on that are. Lobie's still a test, um, and I think he's a... He's a big out for them. And Montagna for the Saints has been given another week off. In the reports, there's no trippings this week. 
um, like there was last week with all the other ones. But Hayden Valentine cannot be taught. He's accepted the two-match suspension for the high bump on Harry Taylor. Billy Smets has accepted a one-match suspension for striking Lee Spur. And Alex Sexton from the Suns uh, struck Jack Loney, and he's also had a one-match suspension. So both the Suns and Geelong are down a player each. What do we reckon about the Brody Smith tackle? I reckon that should have been looked at. That was a sling. It was looked at. They did discuss it. They didn't. Actually, there was a couple of other sling tackles that they didn't look at, but they did look at the Brody Smith one. And what they said was that I'm trying to remember the name of the player who slung him. Um, they said they had no. Yeah, he had no way of knowing that there was going to be another player behind him, so it was okay. He still slung him. Um, yeah, he did, and the ball was gone. Yeah, so he should know that there's going to be players behind. So that was, yeah, Collingwood being protected. And if there was no player there, then he would have hit the ground. And it's a hard surface that Eddie had. Um, and, and he got rid of the ball. Buddy and Taylor got done for less in that first year. Remember a couple of years ago when they were really hot on it? Both yeah, Buddy and Taylor got the entire time because they kept saying he had nothing. But if you watch the vision from that one where it was Harry Taylor that he slung, Harry Taylor had his arm out and he actually braced himself. It was his own bloody fault because he couldn't actually brace himself properly. I think they're casting – I know people think that the new MRP is simplified and the point system was confusing and all the rest of it. But I can see we're going to have the same problems eventually that we had with regards to consistency after about six months. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. Um, the There was a lot of discussion last week regarding a sling tackle, but it happened to a Melbourne-based player this week. Oh, poor Brody. He still got the 10 votes from the Coaches Association, so um, I think they think it's okay that he's still got the votes. This is the biggest story, I think, that came out of the weekend, which is regarding sledging at football, um, basically not on, and it happened in the in the one game. So one Bulldogs cheer squad member was evicted after a Richmond player reported to ground staff a homophobic slur uh, being used towards Richmond. The ground staff incorrectly identified the wrong crowd member um, and evicted him. The right one has fessed up to the club and apologised to Richmond as well. It's very likely they're going to be given a ban. They're, they're part of the official cheer squad. Um, the Western Bulldogs have a code of conduct for their members um, that came in a couple of years ago and, and they are quite strong on crowd behaviour. And then a Richmond supporter, um, and they're very keen to stress here that he's not actually a member, was reported to ground staff from other members of the crowd for racial comments towards Lin Jong. Now, Jong released a statement on the Bulldogs website. He's one of 12 AFL multicultural ambassadors and I actually thought the statement was um, really good. Now, did any of you guys get to, have you seen or heard that at all? No. Okay, so this is what he said. It is disappointing these incidents still arise, and I want to say to all football fans, including our own, that any abusive behaviour based on someone's skin colour, race, sexuality, or anything like that is just not acceptable in this day and age. Not in the game and not in society in general. It takes courage to come out and apologise, and I want to commend the Richmond supporter for doing so. He could have easily remained anonymous, but he chose to come forward and acknowledge his mistake. I want him to know that I accept his apology. Doing this enables us all to move on and made me learn and teach something to make our community a little bit more embracing and accepting of diversity. I, that's just such a great way um, to get around it because everybody started condemning him. But he's actually said, no, he's actually had the guts to come out and say, yeah, it was me. And he's apologised and realised why it was wrong at the time. 
And the other big news that's really being talked about is regarding the Carlton and the Suns list management. It's quite rightly under heavy heavy scrutiny at the moment because they seem to have really stuffed up. I'm not that fussed about the Suns. I think that they're struggling under Ede because uh, I think Ede's a completely different cat to McKenna. Um, but I, re- oh, I, I don't see how their list goes from making the eight this year to struggling and all of a sudden it's a list problem. I think it's just struggling with a new system, to be honest. I think it's, um, they're comparing um, GWS and Gold Coast did a um, – their reserves teams played each other and somebody reported they went along to that and there was a vast difference between them in that the Suns have just pretty much completely attacking players and that's it, whereas GWS have a balance between attacking and defensive players. And you can see that in their league side as well, that they seem to have a nice balance now. And I think that's where the focus is on the Suns, that they work for a lot of attacking players. They got some mature age defenders. They're still getting in mature age defenders, but they never quite got enough younger ones as a nice blend. Yeah, it's interesting um, that this is only coming up now, though. I mean, no one was scrutinising that when they were, you know, starting to push teams. I I don't know. I mean, there's probably something in it, but I think it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction with them. Carlton, on the other hand, they're totally cactus. Oh, their first-round draft picks and everything, they've just been shocking, absolutely shocking. And I, and I have quite enjoyed everybody's kind of talked about that the best Carlton forwards no longer play at Carlton. They've lost bets and weights um, and all the others that have gone. And the interesting thing about weight. Kennedy and Oh, yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy, um, no, weight it was in, so, in all those games for Carlton, he never kicked more than four goals. And he's got a better average out of two games already than what he had out of his entire career um, with Carlton. So whether that's talking a little bit about Carlton, they talk about what a great midfield they have, but. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. But that's the major stuff from around the AFL. And also Pods, his back's all right, isn't it, Nikki, I think? Yeah, they. there was some talk that it might have been a fracture and if it had, that pretty much would have been career um, ending. But the scans revealed there's just a lot of bruising. They're still monitoring it. I mean, there, there is the possibility there might still be a small fracture in there. Um, but... It seems to be more on the positive side, which is a very good thing. Um, we were well and truly in control of the game in the SNFL until we lost him and Harry Deer, who unfortunately has a dislocated shoulder. He's only played eight games in the past two years. Um, the club, I think, I really think Harry can be something quite special. So I think there's, from what I understand, there's a lot of quite disappointed people down there because of that his injury that he did. Apparently Luke Loudon's struggling a little too, getting back from that Achilles. They've really been managing him very carefully. Achilles are so tricky. Um, so I'm if they're, they're being that conservative with him, I'm very happy to let them be that conservative with it. Um, but we yeah, we do need another tall forward down there. All righty. That sounds pretty good. We'd better get a rig on. Um, but, yeah, that was Nikki's news. Thanks, Nikki. No problems. Now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. Alrighty, well, we had a good win against Collingwood on the weekend. Probably not as <laughs> not not as uh, not as good as it could have been, but um, we got over the line. Um, so let's have a chat and see what we all thought about it. 
is it kind of interesting that um, a 27-point win over Collingwood, any other time we would have taken that in Melbourne, and now we're just kind of, you know, it could have been better. I wonder how much um, of instruction there was to slow down in that last quarter. Or what sort of struck me was that um, we were affected by the Brody Smith injury. I think that that kind of played into it a little bit. Um, my mum and dad went to the game and I had, I've had a little chat with them um, since they've come back. And dad actually said that the Collingwood um, supporters around him, because they were the only Crows people sitting there in Tyre Bay, um, the rest were all Collingwood, and they were pretty much going, well, we could just say that we're witches' hats. That that's what they thought their own players were, that it looked like to them. And that little passage that everybody said it was 20 or whatever, Dad actually counted, it was 21 uncontested marks um, that we took passing that ball around. But, yeah, he was like, yeah, it, there was a definite um, in the last quarter to slow it down. When was the last time we hit 21 targets in a row? We ever? Under Craigie, maybe? I just I can't imagine that. The, the change in the skill level and the foot, foot passing in particular has been ridiculous. But even that, you, there's still a lot of running involved because you've got to work hard to create that space to, to run and get there. So even though it's slowing it down, somebody's still having to run hard every so often. Oh, yeah, definitely. How but good we, is Rory Laird, though, Phoenix? Oh, he's, he's a little champ. He really is. I love him. I, I actually wasn't. You know, I wasn't that impressed with the game, to be honest. Even in the first half when we were dominating, um, Collingwood were absolute shit, to be honest. They were worse than North Melbourne. Yeah, it was such that that pressure that was being put on. It's kind of started off, though, because I've watched the first half again, and they actually weren't playing too badly to start off with. There was a lot of pressure on going back, but... Yeah, their, their skills coming out of the back line were just deplorable. They just could not hit a target. Um, some of it, I think, is skill. Some of it was pressure. But, yeah, they I think they kind of flattered us a little bit. But then again, we also missed an awful lot of goals that we should have gotten. I'm not looking at you at captain. I am. He um, wasn't missing by March, but... Oh, I to slap when we... Up. Uh, are able to translate our scoring opportunities into goals. We are going to absolutely demolish a team and we're going to be scary to, to watch. Be nice to watch, but yeah, scary. Crazy good. Well, I think we've actually got a lot to work on. Um, our structures fell down um, at various stages throughout the game and we're never going to get another game where we're gifted so much of the ball. I know we put on a lot of pressure, particularly in the second quarter. Um, but God, they turned it over. It was ridiculous. It'll be interesting whether anything filters out about that three-quarter time spray that Phil Walsh gave and who it was directed at. It has a little bit. Yeah, all we know is that one player and they didn't adhere to team rules. And I think when they showed the vision on the couch, they also paired it with some vision from the third quarter of him having a go at one of the line coaches in the box. So I presume that's when it happened. Um, and he's just basically told the line coach that he needs to, you know, fix that player. Um, somebody Which coach was it? Don't know. Um, because they never, they've never shown the coaches along the front because Walshie sits behind them. Who's the guy um, that sits next to Walshie? It's, it's stats costing, is it? 
Yes, that's guy, but he's the one who also, it's his job to relay the messages down to the bench on Walsh's behalf, which is very interesting because you can contrast him to so many of the other coaches. They've all got the headset on, and yet Walshy takes it as he's the senior coach, so he's actually managing them. So he's taking that step back. Yeah, it's an interesting setup, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it has been very interesting to watch. But, yeah, so we don't know who the line coaches are who are down the front or what order they, they kind of sit in. But I like the fact that he's he's overlooking them and seeing what they're doing and what they're saying because they've each got headsets and they're um, talking to the respective ones down as well. Uh, that's one of the first times I've seen him kind of get angry in the box. And that's when we were dominating in the third quarter. I've also noticed um, Noble has – Shifted down to the bench. Yeah, he was. So he's lost his spot in the in the box. No, he only went into the box to keep an eye on Sando and see what was going on. Um, he's, I think, quite happy to be not in the box because that's not that's not his role. Um, but he was doing that. Yeah, that that was part of the keeping an eye on Sando and that whole review they were doing. Um, because people talk about it being rude, but it was I think Noble was an awful lot in what happened in um, Sando's removal from the club because um, he was very integral to all of that decision-making as well. Changing the topic a little bit, um, one thing that I've uh, noticed in a couple of days since the game, um, champion data releases occasionally um, match performance um, numbers by each player. We had actually had one player who had negative um, player ratings points on the weekend. Can you guess who it is? Was that our captain? It was our captain. Missing those he goals. He was apparently the worst performed player on the field. Just goes to show that you can't believe stats. According to AFL player ratings. Well, uh, to be honest, it didn't actually surprise me that much. I don't feel like he had a huge impact on the game. He kicked a couple of goals, but they were both towards – so one was towards the end of the first quarter, I think, and the other was towards the end of the second quarter, and both times we were on big runs and had control of the game. And he missed crucial goals at at – other times. Yeah, that, that's. I reckon that's where that negative rating is coming from, is that when they were sort of seeming to come back and we'd get the possession, we'd go down forward, and he had it. And they were kickable goals, but, and they weren't missing by much. If you actually look at the ones that he kicked, they were only just off to the other side of the post. I thought the worst player on the field for the whole game was uh, Razor Ray. <laughs> Fair enough. There was some not nice language being used that they had to edit out. What's with the haircut, though? Oh, there's some shocking hairdos in the AFL at the moment. Some shocking hairdos on the umpires, too. So what do we think of Jacob's game? He played well. Uh, no, I thought he did pretty well. Um, Grundy's a good young ruckman, and uh, he's got a good leap on him, but I thought Jacob's did quite well around the ground, and I think he's really starting to um, find a little niche in terms of linking up across centre-half back. So, you know, I thought he did well. Completely agree with that. Yeah, I really like the the players who've got the nickname for him of Tall Mid, and I thought he really showed that through the, the game on the weekend. 
The other one, of course, we should talk about is the person who got the 10 votes um, for the Coaches Association and he didn't even play out the full game, and Brody Smith on the wing. He's just a jet, isn't he? He, he absolutely is, and um, he was an absolute star again. Daylight robbery. Before he got injured. Yep. Daylight robbery in the draft, I'd say. He just, he's a, just a star. And yeah, that, that bit of his, that, those low darts. The other one who were doing those low passes as well, my dad said the game, VB's passes live at the ground were just sensational. It was just these low bullet passes, just fast, that, um, that were occurring. So, um, yeah, he said him, him and Smith were both doing those similar sort of kicks, but, of course, Smith has just that wee bit more penetration. But that one-step goal was just stunning. Nobody maybe... has talked much about VB, sorry. No, nobody's talked much about VB, but he's been he's been fantastic. I agree. Again. I like that they've been playing him up forward. So he's kind of – I wonder whether that's him and Wright. Um, who was it? Jack is back on the board, um, talked about that Wright was kind of – he thought he was being the cooler um, in our forward half. So he, his job was to minimise um, Collingwood's running defenders. Do they actually have any running defenders at the moment? Who who was he playing on? He was apparently switching between um, a couple of them. Guys like Seedsman and Oxley and um, other young guys who... Yeah, Oxley isn't bad. He's just kick. He's kind of like Pittard in a way. <laughs> I'm still a little worried about our forward setup. Um, we did a lot of bombing again the weekend and... I'm not sure what role Jenkins is playing at the moment, but they really have to make up their mind if they want Tex to be mobile, then um, Josh needs to play deep, in my opinion. We don't have, we, Many times we're kicking to a two-on-one with Eddie, and it doesn't seem as if we've got a tall option. I just wonder what Jenkins is being instructed to do at the moment. And it invariably lands yeah. on, on Eddie's head. It, it, I don't know why they can't hit him up on a lead. He, he seems to be stopping and popping um, because the ball's going over his head every time. Yeah, I'll try and... I'll, Back to 2014. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try and have a look on the weekend and um, keep an eye on that forward movement and see if I can figure out what's actually going on down there to see what, um, what Teague's trying to do. Um, well, she did say that he was happy very defensively with their game. He wasn't happy with our offensive. Yeah, it's hard to tell from the TV, obviously. Um, and we've clearly got Lynch playing up, which is fine. And Tex seems to be leading up. Um, and Josh does, doesn't seem to be... And I'm not having a crack at Josh. I'm more wondering about the structure because it, it still seems to be that conceded to, you know, roosted in high. And a lot of our goals... I actually think one of the... Sorry, just to finish that off, a lot of our goals actually came from retaining somebody it, what what strikes me as odd is that it's it seems to be Eddie that's um, having the ball bomb to him. It should be Tex or Josh who are having the, the ball kick, kick to them, and Eddie should be the one who's running out the back rather crumbs. than being the target. It's crumbs exactly. It's he's, it's quite odd been... the the order in which they're sort of switching around. He's always been a leading forward, though. He's he's always played taller than what he actually is. He was doing that at Carlton as well. So um, they're obviously seeing that lead and they're honouring that. Um, but, 
Yeah, for me, it's a little bit of a concern as well, like you, Phoenix. But they keep kicking it over his head. It was. Sloan actually said that it was actually quite humid there. Um, the ball was a little bit slippery and it was floating a bit more than what they were anticipating. But, mm, but at the same time, BB was able to hit targets. Yeah. And Brody. I was just about to say, our, um, certainly over the last couple of weeks, um, our scores have mostly come from either hit-ups to um, around 40 or from return inside 50s. Um, often our initial forays into into the forward 50, um, when we've gone deep, haven't come off. So there's certainly a fair bit to work on there still. And you would expect that everything's not going to click straight away. Um, um, and I think the main focus has been getting on that defence right, um, which Walshy was very clear on that that's what they were going to focus on, was getting that defence right and the scoreboard will fix itself. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see if there's going to be some tweakings to do with the forward line um, this week, um, with considering how much he wasn't happy with the offence. So is that what we're going to focus on for this week? He, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I remember Walsh saying in an interview at some stage that one of the um, most difficult parts is becoming a head coach is that he doesn't have that direct control over lines um, and that he's had to sort of pull himself back from um, putting too much direction on the line coaches. And exactly just saying, Nikki, that... um, would expect, given that he's actually pointed out that he wasn't so happy with the forward structures, that he would do something about that this week. Yeah, another thing is we've always talked about our defence at the start of the year. We were worried about our defence. So, what did you guys think of Hardigan's game? Yeah, he um, he had a few uh, moments where he looked uncomfortable, but I, I think he redeems himself like he's improved from last year a hell of a lot. And he still only has played 12 games. That scares me. Um, in the, everybody, you, you kind of forget that he's only played 12 games. He's so new um, to this. So I always liked him last year. He would make those absolute balls up, but he would put his head down and he would work his butt off to fix it or to try and do something else. I think there was a couple of times on the weekend when he could have gone harder at marking contests, one in particular that I recall. Um, Talia and Cloak, um, but he's still deferring to senior players if you want to refer to Talia as a senior player. So I think as he gains more confidence, um, you know, he will assert himself in those contests. I don't think it's a matter of not wanting to compete. I think it's just a matter of him understanding that it's his turn to go and that he has every right to go. Yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll come. Um, and like while she says, it's 50 games. That's a, another year away. In a bit. Be two years. Yeah. So I think what well, she's sort of reminding us that we need to be patient, um, and the, the fact that he's he's saying that means that he knows he's going to make mistakes and stuff up, but he's going to keep persevering with him. Um, same with Cameron. Um, that's you know the only way to learn is to keep playing at that level and to make mistakes. I actually thought that um, Hardigan, his game seemed to improve after. He- to get a bit fired up after um, Cloak decided to punch him instead of the ball. <laughs> that ball was as far away from his ribs as possible, I think. It's interesting that that didn't even get looked at, actually. 
Oh, that's He's not such that. a spud cloak, isn't he? So overall, were we satisfied with the win? Yes. Um, I actually like the fact that they did get a little run on at the end. Um, for me, it kind of keeps everybody grounded. We we didn't smash him. It just makes us. Hopefully, it keeps the players the desire to to keep improving and to keep working. Dennis, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm I'm pretty similar. I'm a bit a bit meh about the win. Um, as Nikki was saying earlier, um, yeah, we would have been at least stoked with the 27 point win, but um, I think it, there was a lot of um, um, obvious points that we need to work on, and when we be really, really, really good team and. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we come out at as at the end. How about you, Waffle? Final thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Dan. There's, we would have been stoked last year if we had a 27-point win against most sides, but got those bit of minor tweaking to work on. But defence looks strong, but if we can get our forward line entries up there, we'll be, un, be, be close to unstoppable, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, a win to win, lots to work on. Um, there's no doubt that he changed the game plan up after half time. It was just too much of a um, distinct change to be anything else. Um, and um, yeah, so all, all in all, proves pretty solid effort. So here we go, we've got uh, the Demons coming up uh, this Saturday, isn't it, Nikki? at um, Adelaide? It is at Adelaide, but I can't remember what time it is, all I know it's sometime in the afternoon. I think it's the, I'm not sure if it's the late game or not, I have a feeling it's like maybe the 3.20. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit later in the day. Okay, just as a quick introduction, we've got Schmutt here from the Demons board, thanks for joining us Schmutt. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight into what the feeling's like and what the word is over on the Demons board about this week's game? Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of confidence. Then again, it wasn't one of confidence last year, so I guess we can take heart from that. But no, I think after last week's performance, which was extremely disappointing, really after quarter time, we were only lucky we kicked straight in the second quarter and GWS didn't. That's why we maintained a lead, but we got blitzed in the second half. Midfield might as well have gone home at half time. That's how poor they were. But um. Round one encouraged, round two not so much. I always looked at this game at the start of the season and thought, oh, that's going to be a difficult one, especially because I get the feeling that Adelaide are going to look at this game and think last year, well, if we'd beaten Melbourne, we would have been in the finals, which I think I'm correct in saying if you had another four points. Yeah. But, um, so I reckon as soon as the fixture came out, this would have been marked down on the whiteboard as we cannot afford to play one quarter, which you pretty much did last time. Cause I remember watching the game in Adelaide. Yeah. But you guys, I was enjoying it. I'm sure you guys were frustrated. Adelaide really did not turn up until after half time. Yeah. yeah. Don't need to go into details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even then they might've turned up, but they just kind of couldn't quite remember what this game was that apparently called football. It was horrible to see. There. Crazy game. So, what what do you reckon? Um, what do you guys reckon over there was the reason you got fell in a hole last week? Because you looked to be travelling well up until half time. I, I didn't take much notice after that. 
I think it was probably a, a senior core really haven't Nathan Jones probably hasn't played that a game of that caliber since maybe his first year. He hasn't played that poorly for a long time. Tyson struggled. A senior struggled. Bernie came back in. He's been, he was pretty underdone. You could tell. I think he got subbed out at three quarter time. I love Bernie Vince, but he's been struggling for fitness this preseason with his hamstring. And although he played two games at Casey, he looked fairly average on the weekend. And he's a pretty big part of our midfield too. So. Yeah, we just fell apart in the midfield. GWS, they've got a very strong midfield and overran us, but it was unacceptable to get overrun in the way we did. So hoping for I'm not sure I'm not sure about a win this week, but I'm hoping for a much better performance over four quarters. Now, how's it been with Jesse Hogan after that very that first game? Um there was a kind of a lot of talk about him and everything else. So how's it kind of been taken? Is he the great white hope or are people kind of managing expectations because of what's happened previously in the past regarding what's, et cetera? Well, personally, I was trying to manage expectations, but when, when you watch the way he attacks the ball for, oh, I guess he technically is a third-year player. His first year on the list, he was ineligible to play AFL, so he won the VFL best and Ferris Casey. But um, I... If he kicks a goal a game, I said, sorry, I'm happy. So far, I think he's kicked two goals each game and he's equal first in the competition for contested marks. But the most impressive thing is just the way he attacks the ball. I don't know if you guys have seen it much, but he he wants the ball, which is as much as I love Jack Watts. That's something Jack Watts never had, like, plays. Well, we haven't had a player play like Hogan since meets. So I'm not sure how he would go this week because... It's like he's still a young player and he's going to be playing against a much better defense. Um, yeah, it is pretty exciting to watch him play just the way he goes about his football. He's a real, well, I guess he really lives up to the name of Hulk Hogan. Like he really wants it. Vandenberg's been a great find for you. I think he's from uh, Ainsley in the ACT. That's correct, yeah, 22-year-old. I might be 23 yet, I'm not sure. Mature age player. He was excellent against the Gold Coast first up. Bit quieter last week, but he's still. I think he's still doing much better than we all thought he would at this stage. So he offers that. When you see him, he's huge. Like he is a big boy, big about one ninety centimeters. Like one of those real big body type midfielders, really tall and can go forward. So without being dominant, he's been fairly impressive. But um, I think I think this week's really going to come down to whether Melbourne seniors can lift, especially in the midfield. Because last time we played you, Vince was arguably best on. Jones had a great game. Tyson had a great game. If we're going to get close to Adelaide this week, we need similar performances out of those guys. They really have to lift on last week, which I think Jones will. Not the type of player that would be two bad games around. He'll be furious after last week. So confident there but yeah it's just going to be very difficult all over the ground one battle i'm looking forward to is um taylor walker against hopefully tom mcdonald who's been in excellent form the first two games didn't really have an opponent against the gold coast but he was all over cameron on the weekend and got a lot of ball going the other way and walker's in pretty scary form so i'm going to be interested to see can mcdonald negate walker and also make him accountable going the other way because i don't know what's texas defensive game like i only watched snippets of adelaide this year so i'm not sure he's very good he gets up the ground an awful lot um so when we're kicking out he you'll find that he's often sometimes that 
sort of right high up in defence and occasionally he's even dropped back um, through defence. He doesn't do it that often. I know Walshie doesn't like him doing it, but he can do it because he judges the, the flight of the ball quite well. Um, of course, one of the most famous games where he kind of really stamped himself was uh, final here against Fremantle where Fremantle were kind of trying to run away with it and, and he basically took himself down in the back line. So he does have um, quite a defensive game. He loves to tackle, he loves to bump and get himself involved. So, yeah. Is Tom- it still – sorry, sorry, you got one. Yeah, I was going to say, Tom McDonald's, he's – he better have some decent endurance because Taylor really likes getting on the biking. I I, I, if there's one thing I'm not worried about with Tom McDonald is endurance. I think he's won the 3K at the club ever since he's been there or the last few years anyway. So I'm a bit worried Walker might be a bit big for him because McDonald, he is a great athlete, but he's not as big as some forwards. But endurance-wise, he'll be fine. Is it still Walker and then Jenkins is the main two focal points? And Eddie sort of does whatever he wants. Yeah, we got to. Or is there another tall down there at the moment? There's Lynch, who had quite oh, a good yes. game. Um, and he's also another one who plays that link man a lot and does a lot of running um, up and back. So you've got kind of like the three tools you've got to try and manage. We don't always play them all the time, um, like on field. So one will often rest and sometimes will be two, but we often start with the three. Yeah, we actually started and- with Jenkins on the bench. Against Collingwood, which was interesting. Yeah. And Eddie's also been playing through the midfield. Um, and then you've got Danger, who goes down there, which he spent quite a bit of time against Collingwood down forward. And he's a bit of a scary prospect trying to um, manage a guy of his speed coming out of the full forward line. And then, of course, we've also got Charlie Cameron. Yeah, exactly. Um, and all he needs is a bit of a good good game, Charlie, to get his confidence one player who'll be looking to play well is Eddie Betts because Jetta last year that game that Jetta played on him that was the start of Jetta turning his career around. Like he, I don't Eddie didn't even kick a goal last year when we played. Obviously Walker didn't play, so the forward line was depleted. But um, remember Eddie had a pretty average game, so I think he'll be another player that'll be pretty fired up to. Actually, Eddie's actually played much of this uh, the first two games through the midfield. Yeah, um, he, he's looked great coming 50. through that back 50. Eddie's going to follow him around. He's going to be doing a lot of running. Yeah, Eddie's, he's, Eddie's worked really hard on that over the summer. He actually trained a lot with the midfielders. He trained a bit more with the midfielders than he did with the forwards um, because Walsh's very keen on everybody in our team has to play a multitude of roles. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing him in the midfield. Um, just little hands he gets in to stop players breaking away and just disrupting the flow is is handy. So Adelaide people, where do we see we're going to um, win the game this week? I think it's the midfield. Um, Jacobs, he's had a really nice, good, consistent season. Last week against Collingwood, he was getting around the ground so much. He, he really seems to have set himself for that. It's if the Melbourne midfield can read off of him and if our guys are as switched on as they should be, um, I think it's the midfield, really. Yep, the midfield. That's where it's won. That's where it starts and that's... Jamar and Jacobs is going to be quite a good matchup considering Jamar's in quite good form so far early in the season. Yeah, he was... was 
Mumford got it. Jamar started well last week, then Mumford got on top of him. I almost think Mumford is probably a top two or three ruck in the competition at the moment. He's just such like Jamar is a big guy, but Mumford is a monster and he wins a lot more of the ball. Um, I think Adelaide, well, I think Jacobs, as much as I love Mark Jamar, I think he's an underrated part of our side. And he did have a very good game against Crows last year. I think Jacobs will have the upper hand there. I was just looking at some of the stats. We're only two rounds in, but Adelaide, third for contested possessions, third for clearances, first for inside 50s. So they're winning the ball. They're using it well. I think there was a few other stats at first. I think the only stat, Melbourne are first in a contested marks, which I think about half of them is Hogan. Like, in honesty, it is actually half of them is him. So, yeah. For the D's to win this week, obviously a lot has to go right. I would think that we would have we have to win the midfield and we have to play like we did against Gold Coast. We need to take the game on and every single senior player needs to play about five times better than they did last week. Chris Dawes is someone who's copying a lot of heat from the Melbourne board and I think supporters in general at the moment because he came back in last week. He looked slow. He made us look slow. A lot of people blame the fact that we dropped a runner for him, but he's someone who was almost best on ground against Adelaide last year. So hopefully he can channel a similar performance this week because otherwise he's the side is going to be under a lot of threat. In, yeah, reality, I I, in reality, I can't, I can't see us winning. I think a much better test for Melbourne is going to be against Richmond the week after. I, I did pose a question on Abbott, what's an acceptable result to which everyone replied with yeah. a win. I couldn't really argue with that. But realistically, if we can get within, well, if we don't get smashed, I'll be happy. If Adelaide do what GWS did, but they do it like, I'll be pretty disappointed. But as long as we're respectable, I, I hate competing defeat, but realistically, we're a long way off and Adelaide are in excellent form. My only concern is that in our in the um, um, against uh, Collingwood, we looked a little tired. Uh, I wonder whether pre-season uh, running games might just take the edge off us a little bit. Looking at it on paper, I can't, I can't see Melbourne getting close to us this week. It'll be interesting to see how Eddie had that surface um, impacts on us this week. Uh, um, because that does take a lot out of the legs. Actually, I wonder whether that's why we slowed the game down the second half last week, um, just to minimise that Eddie had hangover that, you know, so often happens. All right, well, that's. Uh, can we just go around and have some tips? I win. Um, I thought four to five against Collingwood. Um, I don't think it would be anything less than that against Melbourne, I actually think it might be a little bit more because we there was discussion regarding our goal kicking. Um, I think the players will be really trying to improve on that this week. So I actually think it might be up a little bit higher. It's very diplomatic, Nikki. How about you, Waffle? Adelaide by 39. Dan, what do you reckon? Um, I actually have a little bit more confidence in Melbourne than even Schmutt to the Crows. Crows, Crows win. Um, yeah, the Crows for me, I think, um, will probably win quite comfortably. Um, assuming our legs hold up, I think we'll be um, very determined to put in four quarters. Um, so I, I really can't see um, Melbourne troubling us too much. So probably eight to ten goals. Sorry, Schmutt. Um, what do you think? You're right, mate. Uh, I think the Crows by... Oh, I'm going to be optimistic and say 39 points. I think Melbourne, how Melbourne start will tell a lot because if, if we start poorly, like it could get really ugly. But if we start fairly well, 
I think that will carry that throughout the game, and Adelaide will just be they'll just be a bit better, and they'll just pull the game away. All right. Well, that's our review of the um, upcoming Melbourne game uh, this weekend. Thanks very much to Schmutt for joining us and all the very best for the weekend. And I also noticed that you're trying to get a podcast up on the Melbourne board. So, um, you know, good luck and all the best for that. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Tonight's board talk is um, with someone who's been a stalwart of the Adelaide board for a long time. Um, so we welcome Jenny 69687469196199. That's the numbers. That's the one. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're well. So what is the 6199? Significant? Very, actually, yeah. 61, the year I was born. 99, the year I first made it onto the internet. Ah, there you go. And, oh, there you go. And the Jenny, somebody told me when you go onto the internet, don't use your real name. So I stole my sister's name. Damn, I'm stuff. <laughs> So's Waffle. That's his real name. Oh, that's <laughs> I know. That's why my lives, parents gave me that name. Because I waffle on a lot. <laughs> okay, let's go. So how did you first find out about Big Footy and about when when was it you actually joined? Um, well, according to the board, I joined in 2006. And I can't... You predate even me. Sorry? I think, do you predate me? No, I'm 2004. There you go. I was two years ahead of you. And I'm not sure what... Uh, how I found you, actually. I think it was completely by accident. I don't know. Google is a wonderful thing. And, uh, yeah, I was hooked. You were, you weren't raised in Adelaide. So how did you come to support? It's, it's, I'm right in yes, saying that, yes, aren't I? Yes, yes, So how did you come to support the Crows? I was uh, born in Canberra and I met an Adelaidean. My commiserations. Thank you so much. I, I did escape, however. Um, I met an Adelaide boy and uh, he was uh, – I followed Carlton at the time, as did he, um, because there were a few South Australian boys playing in, um, in for Carlton and uh, this was pre predated, obviously, the Crows. But once the Crows got a team, it was an easy choice, really. So, yeah, we both – both were on board from the beginning. Now, you've been missing from the Adelaide board over the uh, summer <laughs> months, so where have you been lurking? Ah, uh, I've, I've spent a fair bit of time over on the Hot Topic board, as I know <laughs> you have. <laughs> I just lurk. You've, you've significantly increased your post count. Uh, indeed, yes. Um, uh, I'm over 33,000 now. I think I was 18,000 when when I first went on there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Obsessed, crazy. Right, yeah, probably. I I think it's that insanity thing again. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I managed to get you over to the um, Sweet FA occasionally. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. Enjoying that. It's good fun. Although, because of the uh, Hot Topic board, I probably haven't been putting in as much time as I should. That's okay. Everyone still still likes your presence when, when you appear. 
when I eventually get there, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I missed the so game. What, what is this? <laughs> so there's a there's a sub sub board um, which uh, I've been actively involved in for a couple of years now, which is it's essentially a fantasy football game, which um, we plug our names into a simulator computer program, and it spits out results. Um, so I, I managed to convince Jenny to come over, and she's part of team that we're that I'm in. The dragons. Go the we've dragons. Got, <laughs> we've got many crows, um, uh, crows board posters. Um, Alex is on fire, and um, he's in another footy team. pie, and um, oh, that's the, we've yeah, got that's the one you tried to get me on, Dan. And I, I, I did. Had, I did. I had to between my uh, five super coach and five uh, dream team leagues. I, I don't think uh, divorce would be very cost. Uh, Cheap, sorry. It's just hard to keep track of after a while. It it, it is. Yes, it is. Sorry, what was that, Jenny? I got rid of my dream teams and Supercoach. I just couldn't keep up. Yeah. My wife (laughs) likes me helping out. My wife likes to see me every now and then. So, So Jenny, you've obviously got some sort of a vested interest in the whole um, drug saga, either from from afar or... Um, through some sort of professional connection. Can can you expand on that at all? Um, uh, The area that I I work in is uh, is related to drug design and development and... um, And so we're, you know, closely attuned to uh, researching new drugs. So I'm, I'm... really aware of research and X and uh, was just appalled to hear what was was what had happened at Essendon and and so consequently got sort of sucked in I guess to the whole drama. Yeah, I think you you and I have a very similar background, so mine's more the ethics side. So and yeah, I think you and I have had some good chats with yes. just how ridiculous it all was. Yes, I, I just can't believe. I just can't believe it. I'm still shaking my head. (laughs) So you're obviously um, bemused by the way um, that the verdict came back um, in favour of the Essendon Uh, players then? Yes, look, no no surprise really for me to be disappointed in that. And it's not, uh, you know, I was actually quite a James Heard fan at the beginning uh, because I come from Canberra, so, so did he. He played at the footy club that I used to support in Canberra, and uh, and I love the way he played footy. But and and I think in the beginning too, I was thinking, you know, he he was going to do the right thing. He was taking responsibility for whatever it was that had happened because it wasn't clear in the beginning. But then to find out that he was made to say he'd take responsibility that he wasn't taking responsibility that really just yeah I just lost all all respect I guess um and my concern is is if this is happening at Essendon or was happening at Essendon what are the likelihoods of it happening at my club and it, it concerned me that players were put at such risk and I'd hate to think that that would happen at our club do you think it is or more of the point has been in the past? 
to to the extent that has happened at Essendon, no, I don't think it's happened anywhere at any other club. I can see a uh, possibility of a couple of players going off and you know experimenting themselves, but but this was on a whole other level and and really quite scary experimental drugs. Yeah, um, I, I would really hope to think that that nobody else was that stupid. I think the people who are involved at Adelaide, and particularly with Professor Kervin Norton, um, et cetera, being involved, they're very, they're, they've come through the university system. They know their ethics protocols. They don't get to the position they are in universities without abiding by those rules. So I actually feel comfortable that it hasn't happened like at Essendon, that it has at Adelaide. Yeah, no, I agree, Nikki. I, I agree completely. But, you know, there were, uh, you know, 97, 98, Craig had us on some supplement of um, yeah, the colostrum, colostrum, which, uh, of course, Asada didn't exist then. Um, and colostrum is not banned, but they do put a warning out these days about the use of colostrum because it can raise the IGF-1 levels and, uh, you know, and that can give you a positive result. So, you know, we were... Perhaps we were pushing boundaries, but it certainly wasn't against any rules back then. Yeah, and that, I guess that would have been a carryover from Craig's involvement in the in the um, cycling program. Yeah, I guess. And Charlie Walsh was on board too, wasn't he? Yeah, back then he was. Yes. And cycling's had an interesting Indeed. reputation. So you've... Um, Obviously, uh, still got some sort of an interest in Carlton, considering they were your team before the Crows got on board. <laughs> uh, no, no, not not anymore. Uh, do you know, honestly, uh, between the Hot Topic board and Quiddy <laughs> and and work and life, yeah, I haven't given that much thought. I have to say, Quiddy is um, the program that we use. Uh, for the sweet FA, for those, for those wondering. W would you think that um... – thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit delayed. <laughs> what time zone are you into? Oh, no, hang on, you're in Canberra. No oh, one it was delayed. He's in Canberra. <laughs> I'm oh, in Canberra. No, Daniels is in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. This is going well. So I guess you – so, Jenny, I'd expect you'd um, – you'd you'd think that um, Carlton would be on the up and up now that they've got their administration house in order? <laughs> Who was the heavy breath then? That um, was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Um, as I said, I haven't really given it much thought. I think they've got other issues that they also have to deal with on the field, um, not the least of which is they've got rid of so many players. Um, and whether Mick Malthouse has actually passed it or not. You know, I used to admire him as a coach. I'm just not sure where he is at the moment. Do you think he'll be coaching them for as far as the eye can see? <laughs> uh, no. No, to be honest, no. I think he can coach like crazy because he does. If you listen to his aftermatch, his presence there, sometimes yes, you do wonder is. whether he is crazy or not. So, Jen, yeah. so Jen no lifetime contract for... Grumpy Grandpa? Oh, no, I think you probably have to ask the uh, CEO of Carlton that question. You haven't been able to ask him yourself yet? And how do you, 
<laughs> There's a very nice straight back going on here. <laughs> this is a very good Welsh interview. Um, so, like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, 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 that I'm, I'm like, well, really shut up, Brownie, though. So, um, all jokes aside, have you are you happy with the way things have um, gone with Adelaide since you know the 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 revolution oh, for one of a better phrase? Yes, definitely. Very exciting. And do you think that the the uh, the advent of a new administration, new CEOs, oh, contributed? Yes, to absolutely. That? You can't. How can it not? You you put any new blood into into an organisation you're going to get a change. Now, sometimes it'll be a positive change. Sometimes it will be a negative change. But I, I really think that, that we're on the right track and I, I'm excited by our prospects. You're, you're you. awesome, Jenny. I'll, I'll stop taking the piss now. <laughs> You've done very well. Um, I haven't seen you much on the Adelaide board, though. Um, is that just a time thing or you've been steering clear for a while? Uh, two reasons. Probably the um, Hot Topic board has really taken up a lot of my time. Um, our work and the things we've just gone through our busiest period of the year with grant writing and stuff, so I've been pretty busy. Um, but also uh, I probably needed a break from the Adelaide board. I think I was getting very frustrated um, and, and you all know why. So, you know, it just needed a break so that I can get some perspective back into things and uh, come back fresh and renewed. Yeah, the tone's certainly different. I, I did something a little similar um, because I, I was in your camp with regards to Neil Crow back in the day and I found some of that conversation to be highly frustrating um, and it did for a little while, so I can understand where you are. Yeah, look, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll still get snippets of it you know, for for a while yet, but I'm I'm trying not to bite and you know and just get on with it. Yeah, but people have long memories and sometimes can't move on. Oh, they are elephants! I'm telling you. We're <laughs> <laughs> just trying to remember some of those poses as elephants. Sometimes elephants can be cute, but yeah, nah. <laughs> They're really hairy, though. Has anybody's ever patted an elephant? They're really hairy. Well, I'm sure that. Probably is appropriate. Then. My wife has. Nikki, every week you give me something to put in the outtakes <laughs> file, and that was another one. <laughs> I do it just for you, Nick. <laughs> so our ending of your podcast is going to be awesome, and mostly me. Have you ever patted one? They're really hairy. Thank you very much. <laughs> An elephant. Oh, I can cut that bit out. <laughs> That's right. Creative editing. I love it. <laughs> Oh, he's got a doozy from the other week for me. Oh, I've got about ten of them. <laughs> yeah, but that, that other one about the bush and harder, I deliberately thought about that before I said it. And nah, he's going to love this. <laughs> Jenny, you've been a really good you've been a really good sport. So it's time to put you under a, just a nice warm grill. We won't put you under the hot grill tonight. Oh, thank you. We we do something here called the dirty half a dozen. Um, just uh, six very quick questions to um, basically put you in in the spotlight and see how you go. So we'll start with the obvious. What do you think Danger's doing, staying or leaving? Um, I'd like to think staying. Okay. If you had a duffel coat, 
and you can put anyone's name on it, footballer or celebrity or family member or whatever, who, who would you have on it? Apple coach. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember them? Yeah, we're, all, we're old school around here. <laughs> that's definitely it, yeah. That's bringing back memories. Um, who would I put on it? Anybody. It can be anybody, not just... just... An- anyone at all. Except Stephen. Peter likes Mr. Ed. <laughs> Peter Peter nominated Mr. Ed and he would put the horse on the back of his jumper. <laughs> to be fair, he had been sitting in the contest lounge for a very long time before he came on, on the podcast. And pinfold sleeves. Oh, yeah. um, okay, well, um, oh, no, I'll go with my favourite player and that's Andrew McLeod. Jenny is on my heart, hasn't she? Very good choice. Thank you. Now, we're not we're not sexist here. We're we're gender neutral here, Jenny, and we have a question that I'm going to pose to you regardless. Um, who would you prefer, Kylie or Danny? Bearing in mind that Nikki has answered this question. Oh, I, I did what? You've answered this question, Nikki. So, Jenny, I have answered yes, this question. Kylie or Danny, Jenny? You do what? <laughs> Whatever. I'm just saying, uh, no, Kylie I'm sorry, or Danny. It has to be Kylie. It has to be Kylie. Good girl. Good choice. Sorry, yeah. big fella. Big fella's gonna hate you. <laughs> sorry, big fella. Red cards for all. <laughs> if you could meet one poster from the board, from the Adelaide board, who would it be, and why? Um. Oh, I think I'd absolutely love to meet Mickey. And uh, you have met me. Hey? Well, no, I mean... You have yes, met me. Yes. It was a very long time ago, though. Yes, it was. Um, no, but uh, I'd love to, to sit and have a drink with you and uh, have a good chat, I think. Yeah, I think we've got some stuff to discuss oh, yeah. lately. <laughs> Favourite drink, Jenny? Uh, tequila. Oh, dear. Wow. Oh. Go hard or go home, eh? Oh, my word. And the last of the dirty half a dozen, uh, will the Crows make the eight this year? Yes, I think they will. Yeah, it's an um, easier question than it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. If you had have asked me a couple of weeks ago, I might have said really have no idea. Um, but no, I'm, I'm reasonably confident that we'll make the eight. Don't know how much better we'll do than that. But yeah, I think we'll make the eight. It's, it's an exciting thought, actually. Awesome. Look, thanks very much for joining us, Jenny. I know we we um, we gave you some Walshy questions, but you handled them really well. Um, and you've been around the board for a long, long time, so it was great to have you on. Thank you. It's it's really been nice to do it and to to get to put voices to names. It's it's terrific. It's terrific. Yeah, you, Nikki had such a deep voice, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I am an alto. You are a what? You're a what? An alco. <laughs> alto. Alto. <laughs> Singing, you num <laughs> oh, I you thought we were getting back what? into the tequila no, conversation. No, I don't do high. Oh, I think, well. <laughs> there you go. There's another one for you. Yeah, the young fellow uh, make you do high. We're going to have a whole show of Nikki's outtakes, <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'd listen to that. My dad's going to love it. Uh, uh, that's good. That's great. All right, Jenny. We'll uh, we'll let you we'll let you go and head off to bed. Yes, and um, yeah, no, it's it's been great to have you. So thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. See you all. 
Thanks, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Bye. You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Casmar Event Technologies, bringing you in excess tribute band Kick, live at the Emu Hotel, Saturday, May the 9th. We'll see you there, or we'll see you at the footy.